Blue is the color. Welcome to the FPL Blues podcast, hosted as always by John Bucks and Brian Chen. How you doing, Brian? Another game week in the books, Bucks. I'm excited to pod today. I have a lot to talk about. It was a chaotic game week. We saw some blowouts. We saw some scintillating performances, and then we saw some absolute duds as well. So a lot of things to cover and a few midfielders also coming back into form and catching our eye in FPL. Absolutely. And it's worth mentioning there were a lot of big scores for FPL managers across the game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, specifically those who captained and put the armband on Mohamed Salah. They were rewarded in a major way. He ends up with 48 points, boosting lots of managers, including Brian, to triple-digit totals. So bravo to those managers who went that direction. Bravo to you, Brian, for a major green arrow. And, you know, at this point in the season, it's worth mentioning that taking a step back, we have both used our wild card bonus power up chip. That basically means that both Brian and I have taken the opportunity to make unlimited transfer moves, fully reset our teams for the players we want. But not surprisingly, or maybe surprisingly, Brian wild card last week, I wild card for this game. We both our co-hosts beat us in the week that we wildcarded. So with that, I think it's worth diving into how we did in game week nine. And let's start with you, Brian, because you taught me, you made me look like a fool, even with unlimited transfers (laughs) at my fingertips. So how'd you fare this game week? Oh, come on. It wasn't that bad. Um, It was bad. I only beat you by nine points and you're well ahead of me, but I had a absolute bang in game week. I ended up on, the 100 emoji, uh, feeling really good about the squad. Yeah, that's right. The century mark for me. Um, to be honest, it was it was definitely a roller coaster. So going into this game week, I was going to have Lukaku and Aspilicueta versus Norwich. Both of those guys, unfortunately, do not feature. Obviously, I, I transferred out Lukaku for Vardy. He got me one point, and he's a problem going into this next week with a potential knee injury. And then Aspilicueta doesn't start. So in that 7-0 drubbing where we sent... Uh, Norwich, you know, home crying to their mums. I got no points. So I see teams like yours who have wild carded and you have Chilwell, Kai, James, you know, or Rudiger. So many people in the FPL community had 20 points already before I had anything. So that was really tough. But as, as they say, you know, it's the game week isn't over till it's over. So we got to let the fat lady sing and then see how the drama goes on. And I was fortunate to get some really big differential hauls in my side, specifically Phil Foden with an explosive 18-pointer. That was huge for me. He's uh, somebody that I picked up on wildcard and just hoping he starts more games this season because he's very talented. And uh, City City blew the doors off of Brighton, which was, that was surprising, right? Brighton's got a top five defense so far in the league. But at the same time, we know what City's capable of in any given game week. Um, And then got some differential points off my bench from Hawang. He came in for Aspliqueta with eight points and also Antonio coming through with a goal on Sunday for seven points. So uh, all in all with those players, plus the 10 pointer from Trent and the 48 pointer from Mohamed Salah. 48 great game points, win. 48 points, it's, ladies and gentlemen. It, it Unbelievable. is. <laughs> it's really weird to like, look at all the players that got one point in my team and just like, usually it'd be hard to imagine you, that I hit triple digits. But uh, 48 points from one player is, is massive. So I think my, my heart does go out to those who captain Kai and brought him in as a, really a big differential, thinking that Ole would park the bus. But 
Um, yeah, Salah is unreal right now. So he's a must have and a must captain until he goes to the African Cup of Nations um, late in December. So Bucks, talk to me about your wild card, how you how you ended up you know, settling on your squad, uh, you know, the night before really. And, um, you know, going into the game weekend, how'd you do? Yeah. So I ended up with a gray circle, not what you want coming out of wild card. That means I basically, whoa, stayed... whoa, 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 hold on bucks. Hold on bucks. I looked at, uh, FPL game week and you actually had a 166 spot green arrow ah, and a green is still count. a green, my friend. No, it obviously in, in, in your, in your head, it's a gray, but you still have that green arrow next to you uh, in the overall rank. So just pointing that out. I appreciate that. Listen, no moral victories. I'm a father now, and we don't want participation trophies to be the norm in this family. We want to strive for (laughs) excellence. So I ended up with 91 points, uh, used my wild card, and Mohamed Salah, as, as with Brian's team, he saved my game week. And it's worth mentioning that really only four players delivered in my squad and they all played in the first and the final match. I had Salah with 48 as my captain, Chilwell who had 12, TAA who had 10 and Rudiger who had nine. The remaining seven starters from my squad totaled a disappointing 12 points. So uh, just blanks. <laughs> that's, on cr- blanks. that's so crazy, man. That's so crazy. And to end up on 91 points, like you never would have expected that going into this game week. Absolutely. No, I actually thought I was in for big things, but I thought it was going to be points from a lot of different players. And it's just worth saying that I I kind of fumbled the bag. I selected some differential players like Edward from Crystal Palace over Antonio and Jimenez, just kind of in the pursuit of being different, trying to be smarter than the kind of format and the template team. And then Vardy, Rafinha, and Mbomo, I've been told that's actually how you pronounce his name, Mbomo as in FOMO. Uh, We might be having some FOMO (laughs) for next game week because they all have flags. And those are three essential players that I was planning to be starting uh, definitely in game week 10 and beyond. So I'm in a tough position coming out of wild card. I lost some points uh, that I had initially gained on the competition coming out of the first match Chelsea over Norwich with 24 points I thought I was going to be flying and uh yeah I'm just middle of the pack at that point you know 6 a.m by me Chelsea's up 5-0 you know Rudiger gets a late assist to uh to add more points to your total I I was like wow I am going to get absolutely mopped this game week Bucks are going to beat me by 30 points and uh again crazy things happen throughout some of these middle games I want to say Bucks too is I know you were going in looking at three players, Jimenez, Antonio, maybe even Callum Wilson, and you ended up on Edward, who is he's a punt for sure. Um, somebody that you might not start every game week. Palace do look better, but it, it is tough when you're on wild card trying to set yourself up for the long term. And maybe some of those players, although more expensive, um, you know, they have the pedigree and the proven um FPL side. But again, it's only one game week, so I wouldn't judge your whole wild card based on that result, but it is tough to swallow when all those other guys did get points this game week. Absolutely. And it was the difference, honestly, between me hitting the triple digits and me not, but you know, that's in the rear view mirror now time to look ahead. But before we do that, we do want to acknowledge the manager of the game week in our super league that goes to Matt Stoddard and his squad strangers. They fly high with 103 points 
and he had the Sala cap. Whoa, whoa. Stranger danger right there. Flying high. 103. Very impressive by Matt Stoddart. Yes. Out in, uh, Mel- out in Melbourne, Australia. Oh, wow. So he's watching the game a day ahead of us. That's why he did better. He knew what was going to happen. That's not fair. <laughs> Future thinking. Yeah, exactly. Salah captain 48. He had Cresswell for 12. He had both TAA and Gundawan with 10 apiece. Liveramento with nine. Antonio with seven. And just most impressive, what I want to shout out, what looking at Max team, he has no Chelsea defender and he has no city defender, but he still tallied this huge triple digit score. So wow. uh, really impressive. The only downside with Matt's result and shows how big his team really could have gone. He made two transfers for a minus four hit and he took out Jota for Havertz and Jota Ooh. had, yeah, he, Jota had 11 points, Havertz had three, and then he also moved Lukaku to Vardy. So he could have gone super, super Nova in this game week. And, uh, you know, he still ends up on 103 points, nothing to uh, write home about. Yeah, very, very impressive. Hopefully he continues his uh, his hot form, as do the rest of us in the FPL Blues Super League. And uh, just want to credit Amar, a.k.a. Turkish Shabak, still in first place. Ah. Uh, very impressive. Um, he's he's really been holding it down the last kind of four game weeks or so. So um, a, a great start to his FPL season for sure. Yeah, and we want to just credit Matt, but also six other managers in our game week, Albano, Eamon, Gary, Alec, Jack, and my co-host Brian for all going big with triple digits. 100 points plus for all those players. Uh, We did have a number of managers in the 90s, but we only have an hour-ish for this podcast, so we're not going to go through that whole (laughs) list. So let's just take a look back at game week nine before we look ahead to game week 10 and setting our teams up for success for another Green Arrow after this break. Welcome back to the FPL Blues podcast. We're now going to go through some of the top matches of the game week, which included some huge, massive one-sided score lines. And let's start with Chelsea, seven, Norwich, zero. Bucks, we say it every pod, but if you want to get right, you just have to play Norwich. It was a defender's dream to play in this one if you had any of these players, except if you owned Aspilicueta or Christensen, like uh, I did and a few other people in our mini league did. So, Bucks, take it away here. The story of the day has to be Mason Mount. Gets a hat trick. His first one for Chelsea, I believe, in the Premier League. Yeah, he looked amazing. He had three goals and assist. He got the clean sheet and three bonus points. He just had a dream day. He's a Chelsea Academy product, a fan growing up in the team through and through. So huge kudos, flowers for him. He ends up with 24 points, tying Mo Salah as the leader this game week, but also the highest score thus far this season. So massive showing for Mason Mount. And Reese James gets a goal, also clean sheet, one bonus for 13 points. Ben Chilwell gets oh man, a goal. That, that goal, that goal from Reese was Ooh. so good. Chips the goalkeeper. I'm like, I don't even know if Werner or Lukaku could have done that. It was a very impressive finish Ooh. and one that we've been waiting for a very long time on because honestly, like James has been boomer bust. He has an 18 point performance earlier in the season. A bunch of managers got him. He got hurt. Then he was in and out of the lineup, a bunch of one pointers, and then he delivers a big uh, 13 pointer in this game. So very impressive uh, from him. Yeah. But you know, everyone on Chelsea was scoring points. Ben Chilwell gets gold, clean sheet, 12 points, Kovacic, two assists, clean sheet, and two bonus for 11 points. 
Hudson O'Doy goal assist clean sheet for 11 points. Ruder gets <laughs> it just keeps going and a clean sheet for nine points. I mean, it's like you get points, you get points, you get FPL points. And it was really a celebration of Chelsea's domination. And it was all in honor of the team owner, Roman Abramovitz, who has his birthday and he gets to really celebrate with a massive win and a total drubbing of Norwich, uh, as Brian mentioned, no better team to break out of an offensive slump against than the kind of this, the whipping boys of the Premier League in Norwich. So total domination for Chelsea. Yeah, this one is an epic scoreline. You know, obviously the attack for Chelsea has been a little underwhelming, um, especially bringing Lukaku into the side. And you can really see that in Tuchel's system, the wingbacks are the ones that you want in FPL. And maybe if you're going to double up, Rudiger is the next best guy. Um, when we play with the striker right now, he's setting up and doing a good IRL job for this squad. But Kai, Kai had a 0.17 expected goal you know, in this match. He had less than Rudiger. Unfortunately, that, that's a bust. And Bucks, I know you were in on him and had would never have expected seeing a scoreline of 7-0 and getting only three points from, from Kai. And I think he was like the only player not to deliver points in this match. So pretty crazy. Yeah, he was the only Chelsea starter to blank, which is wild. He's Ugh. playing out of position as the false nine. And I think it just shows that it's more an indictment on Thomas Tuchel's system that the the kind of leading striker role is not the goal scorer in the way that they go forward and the way that they attack. As Brian mentioned, Ben Chilwell, Reese James, Marcus Alonso, Aspilicueta. Those are the guys yeah. coming in from the wing. Those are going to be primarily the goal scorers. And I think it shows why Lukaku might be struggling for goals. Obviously he's injured. I think he probably would have put up a better performance than Kai in this match, but uh, I think it's an, a little bit of an excuse for the big uh, Belgian as why his goal tally is not higher. Um, just one quick point on Norwich. I think that Tim Krul, who's their goalkeeper, you know, he allowed seven goals, but honestly, I think he was their best player. He had eight, sorry, he had seven saves. He half saves a penalty kick for Mason Mount, which, you know, they have to do over. He was really the only player who was, I would say giving 150%. And it's just unfortunate because Norwich are a squad that they've been to the Premier League before. They went down. They're going to be a team, it seems like, that are going to be uh, kind of buoying up and down. Um, and that's kind of their, their ownership strategy. You'll make a lot of money from the TV rights. You'll have money to dominate the championship. Hopefully the next season you'll be back in the Premier League for another big payday. But uh, I think that's enough uh, talk about a 7-0 massacre. We can go on to the next match. And worth mentioning from here on out uh, until the final match, I didn't get a single contribution from any of my FPL players. So, Brian. Oh, my to, goodness. You'll have to take the next one. Newcastle one, Crystal Palace one. Uh, tough one to watch for me. I mean, Bucks, to be honest, I was, I was a bit of a sourpuss coming into the next set of fixtures like, after that 7-0 drubbing and I have zero points from any Chelsea players, I was really just like, yeah, I don't want to get in the group chat for a little bit. I just, I'm like, you know, half asleep. And then things kind of turned around a bit. So um, anyway. I almost texted Newcastle, your fiance to figure out where you were. Yeah, I know, right? I was absent from the chat for like 30 <laughs> minutes. Crazy, right? Um, so yeah, Newcastle won, Crystal Palace won. Both the strikers get the goals in this match. 
And we saw Ben Teke, he heads a goal in to start the second half. And then Callum the Truth Wilson, I think, has the goal the a weekend, maybe him or Tielman's with a sensational overhead kick. And he's back in the goals and back in the team for um for Newcastle. So if you were to ever get an asset from that team, it would be him over St. Max. He's worth the you know additional 0.7 or 0.8. And he's just a professional scorer. Uh, the team doesn't have much of a defense, but only allowing one and getting the draw in this one is a, a good result for them, to be honest. So Bucks, how'd you evaluate Edward? Um, you know, who you punted on for wildcard. I know you were talking about, you know, taking a chance there and maybe using a future transfer down the line to move him. But I think both of us, especially in the last couple of weeks, wildcarding at the same times in a couple of different game weeks, we've really been like, all right, we're going to make this move or make that move and like trying to bank future transfers. And then we've gotten crazy injuries across our teams. And, and now he's probably not a player that you're going to be able to transfer out anytime soon. So I just wanted to see what your thought were, were uh, with him. Edward is a tricky one. Cause I think he actually had a good game. He was boxed out by Benteke on that goal uh, where Benteke heads it in. He literally, <laughs> he, he wasn't, uh, facing up with a Newcastle defender. He was facing up with his own line mate, uh, Edward and Benteke. They were both uh, I mean, sandwiched Bucks, against the other. So, Bucks, I'm not surprised because Benteke does the LeBron celebration where he thumps his chest twice and then he pushes his hands toward the ground to calm down the uh, the opponent's fans and stuff. So I'm not surprised he was out there boxing out your, your player for his FBL points. Yeah, and you know, the thought was Edward is cheap. And I think he plays really attacking. He basically never touches the ball if it's not directly in front of the opponent's box. So I like that. And I was planning to bench him and be able to have Vardy. And he was really enabling my side to go from Vardy to Kane in one smooth transfer. So the thought was right. It's just the selection was wrong because Crystal Palace aren't a team that scores so many goals. So I think I should have spent a little bit more to get Benteke or better still just avoid the Crystal Palace attack altogether. So um, I have some regrets there. And as Brian mentioned, I think I was trying to be too cute on wildcard. I wanted to plan the next three game weeks at least. And what I forgot is that we don't exist in the fantasy realm for fantasy. Really, <laughs> The games are actually played in real life on the pitch. There are injuries. There's, you know, there's activity that is going to be influencing the decision. So I should have just gone either super cheap and gone a player like Wang or gone for a more proven goal scorer uh, on a team that is more inclined to actually score goals. So Edward, a bit of a disappointment for me in this one. And I expect them actually going to be losing money. I think he'll probably price drop uh, at some point between now and when I have an opportunity to transfer him out. Yeah. But given the amount of flags that you have on your side, you might have to call on him this upcoming weekend. So maybe he'll get a goal versus Chris or versus Manchester city. Uh, I don't know about that one. I'm going to be in very (laughs) dire straits if he needs to be playing in my starting 11. Next one, Everton two, Watford five. I think this was the most shocking game of the weekend. Obviously, everyone's going to default and say it was the Liverpool Man United fixture, but Everton seemed to have this game under wraps. They jump out to a 2-1 lead and all of a sudden, Damari Gray, he leaves the pitch and Richarlison comes on and the whole tenor of the game really just absolutely flipped and Watford pour five goals in on Everton. And, you know, people were saying Rafa Benitez, a defensive minded coach there, he's going to, you know, get 
Everton right at the back and then build forward. And uh, yeah, didn't, didn't look like it in this match. That's for sure. What'd you see from this one, Brian? Yeah. Very surprising. In the last two weeks, we've seen some like epic collapses by teams holding a lead last week. It was Villa, um, you know, who had the lead versus Wolves. They collapsed in the last 10 minutes. And then in the last 15 minutes of this game, you know, Watford score three plus goals. It it was crazy. And uh, Josh King, who is actually, uh, made a loan appearance for Everton last season, I believe. He didn't play many minutes. Um, you know, he's kind of been up and down with a few different teams across the Premier League. He ends up with a hat trick. So a huge haul for him. And uh, your boy, Dennis, he comes in for SAR, which is kind of a surprise move because looking at the kind of minutes here, you know, they were they were actually down in the game when Dennis came in for SAR, which was an early sub at the 64th minute. And they just go on a tear. So Dennis ends up with two assists to King and then also scores a, the fifth goal in this one. Uh, he's got a yellow card. He's, he's an interesting asset to own. Potentially there this are, is- there are three assets, um, you know, 5.6 or 5.7 and under for strikers that are very cheap enablers. So Huang him, and then also Roja Roja. Yeah. Yeah. For Southampton. Yeah, we'll talk about him later, but they're, they all delivered this weekend. So some potential options for people looking to free up funds down the line. So again, I think with Decore out of this one and Richarlison, you know, coming back on the side after injury, no DCL, you know, we're going to see some, some tough performances from Everton. They, they have been grinding out some wins, but I, I could see them hitting a little bit of a rough patch, especially like decorey has been the engine for that team from front to back uh, or back to front, excuse me. And I think his loss is, is pretty big on the side. Yeah, worth mentioning that a player I was considering on wildcard was Andres Townsend, and I really dodged a bullet uh, going a different way. Um, He really was totally invisible in this match, and it's just interesting because Watford, obviously, they're a newly promoted side. They bring in a new manager, and they don't respond against Liverpool, which is understandable. Liverpool, one of the best teams in the entire world. And, you know, they play a mid-table team like Everton. They share a city, but they're definitely not the same caliber club at this point in time. And Watford kind of came out of nowhere. I think that halftime talk must have been like really inspirational because they played (laughs) ferocity in that whole second half. They were going for it. And yeah, Josh King, the star, he gets a hat trick, one of a few hat tricks on the weekend. And uh, yeah, just interesting to see Watford really put it together uh, in the second half of this one. Next one up. Next one up is Leeds 1, Wolverhampton 1. This was a pretty boring match. Honestly, you know, Rafinha is the big note here. He ends up being taken off the pitch before the 60th minute and has a pretty big ankle injury, which uh, Roman Saiz, who I'm actually a pretty, pretty big fan of as a defender and previously owned an FPL, he came up with a um, really tough tackle. And I was surprised that he didn't get a red card in this one. And Rafinha was very upset about it comes off. And now he's yet another flag in our team, unfortunately. So uh, it, it, two weeks in a row, Bucks, before one of our key FPL assets plays Norwich, they get injured. And we're going to have to pay close attention to team sheet news. He did come out of this one and post on social media that like, thanks for all the well wishes. I'm fine, but I need a doctor to tell me that. And uh, I'll be, um, you know, searching Ben Dinnery's Twitter on a daily basis to see if there are any updates. Yeah. Rafinha left the stadium in a boot. So that doesn't sound like he's so fine to me. Um, (laughs) Wolves get the goal. Uh, Jimenez 
kind of bounces the ball off himself into Huang's path, who nets it really nicely. Uh, the Korean bull is a player to watch. As Brian mentioned, he's one of those cheap enablers as a forward. seems like he's locked up a spot as a starter. He ends up with eight points from two bonus and that goal. And he came off your bench in a big way. So he's definitely a great asset to own. And then I think wolves just totally kind of fell asleep at the wheel. Leeds are a battered squad. They are probably missing two of their best players, maybe even more Rafinha Bamford's out. Calvin Phillips was on the bench for this one. I mean, they're just, Mm -hmm. they're depleted and they were by far the better side in the last 30 minutes and Leeds get rewarded for that. Rodrigo ends up striking a penalty and leveling the scoreline. So disappointing from Wolves. Uh, They were kind of the late darlings last game week and they, they let Leeds kind of uh, show them up this one. So uh, shared point I think was deserved, but uh, Leeds are definitely a side that are in a bad way right now. And uh, they play Norwich, which should be an opportunity for them to get right. But none of their attacking players are either fit or looking in form. So very concerning situation. To be honest, as a owner of Rafinha, I'm definitely thinking about moving him out of my squad uh, just because I, I do think they're in a dire situation. There's no Luke ailing as well. So, you know, at every single level of the pitch, they're missing starters and that's very problematic. I know that Rafinha, you know, he looks good. He's, he's been taking some shots from outside the box, which he can obviously score, but it just really worries me about the rest of the talent around that squad. And, you know, last season they were scoring two, three, four goals with ease in a lot of these matches and with this level of quality around him, I don't think they can do that. So he's a player that I might be moving on from if he is, in fact, uh, going to be out for this match. Um, but again, wait for a team news there. And just want to note, Hoang was huge for me. After getting zero points from Aspie, he comes down for eight points. I think he's a great you know, striker that could be an enabler in any side. And I'm not expecting to start him very often, but as a first bench slot, it's great. So uh, moving on, let's talk about one other quick game here, which had another bench enabler in Livermento uh, for Southampton. He nets a goal, Southampton to Burnley to um, surprise to see four goals in this one, to be honest, Bucks. Uh, what did you see here? This was actually a shockingly good match, uh, much more entertaining than you might have been expected to believe uh, coming into it. These are two bottom half of the table clubs. And really, this was a youth movement showing class in this one. Max Cornett, who's the newest Burnley player, he nets a brace and three bonus points for five, excuse me, for 15 FPL points. He is playing the most advanced for Burnley alongside Chris Wood. And it's interesting that he's the one getting the goals and not Chris Wood, who has been a proven Premier League goal scorer. So that's something to note moving forward. The Ivoirian, he's 25 and he's really, he has goals in the last couple fixtures. So really nice for Burnley to nab a quality asset like this. And then for Saints, uh, really, they get the goals from the Chelsea Academy products. Uh, Livermento and Broja both get goals and they share. They each get two bonus points each. So Tino Livermento, he gets a goal. He gets nine points. And honestly, he was unlucky to not get a second goal. So uh, I think Tino Livermento, I'm going to take an L on our conversation from a few podcasts ago. I think Tino is actually the budget defender to own and not Duffy because as we'll discuss in the next match, 
Duffy actually gets benched. So you see that Tino is nailed and he's so attacking. So uh, I should have stuck to my guns that you always truck the uh, out wide defenders, not the center backs. But uh, Tino, honestly, those those nine points were absolutely massive coming off a lot of managers benches. And, you know, FPL managers were planning to have a Burnley clean sheet here so Southampton would get even more points and Tino gets the goal so he makes up for it and then Broja who's the young striker for Chelsea he gets eight points and that's two goals and two starts for him he's playing impressive yeah he's playing because there's injuries up front to the kind of uh, preferred duo of Adam Armstrong and Che Adams for Southampton but I think he might be a player to target. If I still had my wild card, he would for sure be my third striker option. He's 5 million and they have the best fixtures for the next three weeks. At least they have Watford Villa and then Norwich. So uh, yum, yum. I think there's going to be more points for young Broja in those matches. Definitely. He's somebody to keep an eye on. We'll discuss him a little bit more down the line. So we're going to take a quick break and then recap the rest of the matches in this game week. We'll be right back. We're going to teleport and time travel back to Friday football where Arsenal play Villa and Arsenal get the W 3-1 convincing Gunners showing and really made the home fans proud. Only black mark on this game was that Villa score a late goal to ruin the sheet, steal a lot of points from Ramsdale owners who's a very popular goalkeeper shout in the FPL game. Uh, but Arsenal were just, they they had this game in the bag. Brian, what did you see here? This is a very impressive showing. They they deserve to, to keep the clean sheet. Um, Ramsey scores in the 82nd minute, I believe, in this one to wipe out Ben White and Ramsdale owners' clean sheets. But this was a an utter drubbing, which is kind of um, was surprising. I thought this would be a closer matched uh, performance given that both these tables are competing for European football, um, kind of that top eight side uh, potential. So in this one, I think, you know, Pierre Emmerich Abamying, he continues to trickle on some points. So he's on a lot better form. We also saw Lacazette start next to Saka and Odegaard was dropped in this one. So we know we have a lot of uh, Gunner fans out there listening to this podcast as well. So well done for your squad. They look to kind of being picking up some good momentum into the season. And I've, I've been impressed with them and we'll see if they can continue it. Yeah. Obama Yang gets a goal and assist, but he misses a penalty and he also takes a <laughs> silly yellow card. So he only ends up on six points. The real FPL starlet of this match was Emil Smith Rowe. He's a budget enabler in midfield. He gets a goal assist and three bonus points for 13. That's a huge total. There were a lot of big scores for midfielders this game week. And he was one of them that really shined. So uh, with that, I think we can go on to the rest of the matches. Uh, Just interesting that, you know, I was really talking about how Arsenal give up Arsenal style goals. And this was, this was the exact template of that. They, you know, they were just a little sloppy, a little slow to close down Ramsdale and he has a wonder strike. And uh, all of a sudden it's three, one, and it was totally meaningless that goal, but, uh, Honestly, yeah, we, they, we had some we had some uh, Ramsey on Ramsdale crime right there. I did not appreciate that that three pointer. <laughs> he did 
Ramsdale did make, um, you know, saves, so he ends up on three points. So don't hate it. I think they'll keep a few cleans and he's still a decent option back there. So let's go back to the teleporter bucks. And here we are. Now we're back with Brighton one, Manchester City four. This was a very, you know, a relatively surprising result in the Amex. This match was over in the first 30 minutes as Manchester City, you know, barnstormers out out of the gates and they go up 3-0 in this one and my guy in my side who I punted on Phil Foden who clear standout he ends up 18 FPL points his first goal was very impressive he played false nine and um you know picked up the first goal and then the second goal completely lucky he was just in the way of a um of a shot from Jesus I believe it was and it kind of deflects off of him and goes in the goal. And that was definitely a a turning point in my game week for sure that he got lucky there, but he ends up with the most shots of any player this game weekend. He's clearly attacking. And if he continues to play false nine, you know, even though he's slight at five foot seven, he's so gifted as a 20, 21 year old prodigy for England in that Manchester city side. Yeah, he gets two goals and assist and the three bonus to get those 18 FPL points. But the moment of the game for me was, Jesus running to the flag, the corner flag, celebrating his goal and Foden running a couple steps behind him, actually (laughs) saying it was my goal. It was my goal. And that was just an unbelievable uh, moment watching from my couch. Uh, Amazing that, you know, Phil Foden's actually a major differential because he's only owned by less than 10% of the FPL game and, you know, playing false nine for one of the best attacking sides in the league city are currently number two behind Liverpool in that category. But uh, a lot of the midfielders who played contributed Gundogan gets a goal, two bonus points, and he gets the clean sheet because he comes off early for 10 total points. And honestly, Brighton were spoilers on the day because this match was all but done and dusted. It was three zero. And super sub McAllister comes on, he gets a consolation goal and spoils the clean sheet. A lot of FPL managers were double city. I had Cancelo who gets one point. I know a lot of managers had Cancelo and Diosh. So that like really, me. yeah, like Brian, excuse me, Brian, I should have given you credit there. And uh, <laughs> I don't want yeah. credit for the three, the three total points I got between my oh, two city on, defenders in this one. Oh man, this this was tough because there was a VAR review because there was basically controversy that they might go back in time and chalk the goal off or chalk the penalty shout off. And unfortunately, like looking at the second half, City is up 3-0. Brighton's playing for pride in front of their home fans in the Amex and they they really they were bringing all their attackers onto the onto the pitch and it, it was not an enjoyable viewing experience for about those 30 minutes trying to hold on to the clean sheet. And personally for me, I was like, oh, I really need 12 points combined from Diaz and Cancelo to help kind of offset the Chelsea, you know, defenders. And that one goes because freaking Ederson comes in and, you know, rash tackle trying to stop a attacking play in the final minutes of that one. And then McAllister gets the PK. So I was a little sour grapes there, but Overall, I, this was this was a very surprising result given that Brighton's been relatively great defensively. And I think the problem, Bucks, was Duffy wasn't in the side. They didn't have him in the back <laughs> line. I think I think Graham Potter wanted to play more midfielders, change formation to try and combat some of the, the ball control that City often have in the midfield. And it clearly did not work. 
Yeah, I would say this match really proves what I think we already knew, that there are three teams that are in a tier of their own right now, Chelsea, Liverpool, and Man City. They're just a cut above the rest of the Premier League at this point. They are either strongest in attack, Liverpool, strongest in defense, Man City and Chelsea. And they each, they're just really professional clubs, great coaches. And you see why in a match like this, uh, Brighton are currently in, they were in fourth place. Now they're in fifth place. Um, It was just a masterclass by Pep worth mentioning. And uh, this is honestly a condolences message to one of the managers in our mini league, Dan, who captained KDB. Uh, De Bruyne comes Oof. on, he comes on at the 77th minute and he was only on the pitch for, you know, less than 15 minutes, but he managed to create the most chances in this match with four uh, chances created. So obviously that doesn't make it okay when he gets only a whopping one point from him, but uh, yeah. Two points for a captain, not the way to go uh, when a lot of managers captain Salah, who gets 48 points. So sorry, Dan, on this one. Next one up. Yeah, I mean, KDB is still a great asset to own moving forward. I think City have found their groove from an attacking perspective and um, better days ahead for him. But yeah, that, that's a tough one to swallow there. And and guess what? Brighton, for their, you know, their consolation prize, they get to go to Anfield and play Liverpool next. So good luck with that one, uh, Brighton defense. Jolly good. Next one was Bradford one, Leicester two. And this was, I, I have to just go off Brian for one second. This was really disappointing for Brentford because I have seen something in watching them play and they, they had that intensity for the first 35 minutes and they just didn't have that kind of finishing class. And then all of a sudden kind of out of nowhere, Yuri Tillman steps on the ball oh, and man. he gets his second goal in two games. He ends up with three bonus from this one for honestly a wonder strike for 10 FPL points. So uh, he's a man in form right now. I think he's going to be an interesting player to monitor. I'm not jumping on the Tillman's train right now, but I can see why people believe in him. He's pretty much a surefire starter and he's very attacking minded and he has that kind of it from outside the box. So 10 points for him. Thielman's is 6.4 million. So he's in that kind of Saka Rafinha range. So he's very streaky. And given the the updated formation where Lester is playing two up top, he seems to be kind of trailing in the play, but getting a lot of um, shots from inside and around the box. So he's definitely somebody to continue to monitor. I feel like if Rafinha was out, He's a player that you could potentially make a straight swap to. So just just wanted to note that. Oh, that's that an interesting point. point. Interesting point. Yeah, um, I definitely like Yuri and playing in the team the way that Leicester score goals and the fitness of the team around him, even without Vardy potentially, uh, rather than Rafinha kind of being a one man team. But James Madison, he gets the game winning goal. Pats and Daka plays him in for a very unselfish and easy finish. So he gets one bonus for eight points. Uh, I don't think he's really an FPL player at this point, but I mean, he was like two seasons ago, but he's really falling off. So maybe, you know, maybe he finds a little bit of form here. Um, Interesting to see Barnes play zero minutes in this match. Um, Kelechi Nacho starts again up top next to Vardy. And then Daka comes in for Vardy with possibly this knee injury. We'll wait and see there, but um, they have some depth, which is important for, for Leicester. And they seem to be, you know, after that win against Manchester United, they grind out a good win here um, versus Brentford. And overall, you know, Bucks, you have three 
Brentford players. How are you feeling, especially with Mbomo going off in this one early before 60 minutes as well? Yeah, so Mbomo is a concern that potentially might be a hamstring. Those are lingering injuries. And Ooh, you know, like I to hope see not. It. Uh, me too, especially since they have uh, some really nice fixtures coming up. But uh, I think most notable for FPL managers and the game in general was seeing Vardy go off. He was the most popular transfer target going into game week nine. Uh, popular move straight swap down from Lukaku and even off Ronaldo to plan for future I mean, transfers. Bucks, Bucks, I was promised the Vardy party. This is my first, I know, me first too, me opportunity. Too. And this was one of the more disappointing parties. I feel like I had all this anticipation and uh, there were, there was no party to be had. Yeah. We had a babysitter all lined up night out on the town and uh, yeah, <laughs> they left early and they ate all of our snacks. So uh, pretty disappointing. Jamie Vardy is an older player and he gets a knee injury. So that is really concerning. I feel like fitness for him is, is key. And, to be nursing an injury like that, that could be a problem, not just for this coming game week, but down the road. So uh, he's not a cheap player either. I mean, he's not Lukaku level kind of super premium, but he's right there. He's 10 million plus. So he's going to. Yeah, we're going to talk more about him in buy, hold, sell section, which is coming up in the pod. And sorry, I was uh, we'll too see excited, what... too excited. Next one up. Next <laughs> no, one it's, up. All, it's all good. All good. <laughs> West Ham, West Ham, West Ham one. Tottenham zero bucks. This was a pretty cagey London affair. And I have to admit, I was uh, pretty impressed with West Ham. Once again, they just have a great system and depth in place under Moyes. And they grinded out this win. It was zero zero for most of the match until kind of the 75th or 80th minute. And who scores? Antonio. Oh, man. And Rub a, it in. Un- unfortunately, Bucks, this is one of your few mistakes during your FPL season, you know, you, you know, you and I were chatting uh, as we do almost every day about FPL and you were on wild card. You took Antonio out of your squad. And then with the injury to Lukaku and a few other moving pieces, you were not going to have him at 7.5. You're going to have to buy him back at eight. And then you said out of principle, you're not bringing him back, which, Hey, if you're a man of principle, I can respect that. But He's still a very quality player on a really good team. So he gets a, a goal from Cresswell on a set piece from the corner. And Harry Kane didn't make he didn't make any effort to <laughs> box out Antonio. Not that he probably could, because Antonio is pretty strong, but uh, he gets the goal and he ends up on seven points. So that was a big uh, point of differentiation for me this game week is his late goal. Yeah, Cresswell gets that uh, game-winning assist, the clean sheet and three bonus for 12 FPL points. Really, I think this was surprisingly the most unwatchable match of the weekend. This was probably, you know, one of the 10 best teams. When we look at the end of the season, they'll probably both end up in the top half of the table. West Ham right now up to fourth place overall. So they're really, they're looking strong. But uh, Tottenham just, they're such a weird, fluky team. And I, I think this was... This was just a tough watch if you're a Spurs fan, because not only did Kane not really put in any effort to stop Antonio on that corner kick, that set piece, but, uh, you know, just their star players can just kind of disappear. And, and Kane is having that sort of season where he's just like mad to be playing on the team that he is. You can see that he just doesn't have the same joy that a player like Young Min Sung, his lines mate and kind of partner in crime has playing the game. So 
they're definitely a team to watch. I know Kane is a very popular transfer target in a couple of game weeks, but uh, I'm not so sold of it just seeing the way he's playing the game right now. So, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's difficult to, I mean, other than Sun, the rest of their team is pretty poor. Harry Kane actually had the least amount of touches of any outfield player to play 90 minutes in that game. And it just kind of speaks to the fact that there are maybe two or three quality players on that Tottenham side and the rest are just average. Um, or or I, I do think, or maybe it's that he doesn't really, he's not putting in a full shift like he should be. And like he was in previous seasons, just, yeah, you know, prob- probably, probably a combination of both. Um, but I think when their fixtures turn, we're still going to be considering him. Let's move on from this match and talk about the final one, which is Manchester United nil Liverpool five. This was a you know nationally televised game. You had the folks from the NBC crew in London fly over to Fan Fest Fan Zone in LA, uh, partying all night, and they were very surprised, like we all were, that this was just an utter domination. Um, you know, I put a few shekels for entertainment purposes only on Liverpool to win this match, and they crushed it early and they crushed it often bucks. Yeah. Honestly, if you're a Manchester United fan and supporter, maybe condolences, uh, condolences, take a, take a quick five minute break, go to the bathroom while we recap this match. It was that bad. Liverpool come into old Trafford and they absolutely blew the doors off of man United. It was the first away player to score a hat trick at old Trafford since the start of the premier league era. So since 1992, Salah gets what a stat. Salah gets three goals and assist and obviously three bonus. He was exceptional. He was the star player in a field full of stars. He was clearly the, you know, the shining supernova among them. He gets 24 points for Brian, myself, Ooh. and other FPL managers who captained him. 48 points, massive. He's now actually over 100 FPL points through nine games. He has 107 points which I saw this crazy stat. It's more than Ronaldo, Lukaku, Kane, and a couple other players that are, you know, expected to be top point scorers all combined who only have 104. So he's just absolutely, he's in fuego. He's better than he's ever been. He's on track for a 400 point FPL season, uh, which has never been done. And other highlights, Nabi Keita, who unfortunately comes off injured, but in only... 60 and change minutes. He gets a goal assist and the clean sheet and two bonus for 13 points. Uh, Just shameful. It's worth saying that was a really dirty and disgusting tackle from Paul Pogba. Two feet stubs up in the air, one on top of the other, straight into Nabi Keita's planted foot. I saw that happen in a travel league game many moons ago, and it didn't end up well for the player who took that injury. I don't think it's going to be a good injury for Nabi Keita, so wishing him a full and speedy recovery. Just really terrible, and honestly... Unfortunate. Yeah, the, the whole Man United team was just having temper tantrums up and down the field. And yeah, Liverpool, oh my goodness. Can we talk? Can we talk about this, Bucks? Like Ronaldo, I thought should have got a red. He's he I agree. multiple times at the ball while Curtis Jones was on the ground and easily could have kicked him. They just give him a yellow for that. Um, Bruno was, you know, had a yellow card in the first half and comes out and he had a couple rash tackles. So it was uh time for Ole to sub off his stars and just walk uh walk home in front of the home crowd with his tail between his legs because this one got out of control um and i I guess from your from your perspective bucks like is this more on ole or is this on the players because 
this is a big match against somebody who's consistently your a top four rival of yours. And to have this match at home in front of your home crowd, um, coming off of a, a gutty, gutsy win in Champions League versus Atalanta when you won 3-2, and just to get absolutely manhandled like this, um, you know, who's to blame? Who's to blame? Point the finger, Bucks. So I think, listen, I'm not an Ole fan. I think I've called that he shouldn't be in this role. Um, but I don't think this match was really on him. Maybe you would say start Pogba from the beginning, but you saw that Pogba isn't really an effort player. He's a skill-based player and he likes the ball at his feet. I think this is solely on the players, 100%. I would say maybe 99.9% is the players, 0.1% is Ole. They just, they were gutless. It was, they weren't running. They weren't playing defense. I mean, you had Marcus Rashford, who's a player that I love both as a, as a young talent, but also as just a human being, he wasn't giving Luke Shaw any cover on that, on that side. So, you know, you're playing against Mo Salah. He's on fire. He's probably the best player in world football and he operates on that side. So you're not going to help your teammate at all. I mean, it was just one problem after another and Liverpool. Yeah, put Luke, them to Luke Shaw looks toast. Luke Shaw looks toast. I mean, coming into the season, we were pretty high on him coming off his run with England Euros and he has done Jack squat. So he was, uh, he's going to be having nightmares of Salah running uh, circles around him on that side of the pitch. Yeah. And I think it's just, it comes down to the star players on United. They, they are a very top heavy team. They have Cristiano Ronaldo, obviously Bruno Fernandez, Harry Maguire and Paul Pogba. And they were all on the spectrum from being bad to horrible. So I just think that this is where you need your leaders to step up, to be vocal and no one really put their foot down. And, you know, really, if anything, Paul Pogba put his feet up and said, you know, I'm, I'm done. I don't, I don't want to be out here. So, uh, just shameful for United. And I've never seen this before in all my years watching professional sports in such a major match where you have to pay a premium to just be in the stadium. There were droves of fans leaving at halftime. I mean, that's like crazy. You've dedicated your whole day around seeing Liverpool, Man United at Old Trafford, and you just walk out. It got so bad that fans were streaming out of the stadium. I mean, sad, sad showing for Man United. And you know, I think, unfortunately, Ole is going to keep his job through probably the end of the season, if I had to bet. But this team, they need they need a really, really strong talking to. They need a disciplinarian to come in as their next manager. I don't think they can hire a manager like Zidane, uh, like one of these kind of player-friendly coaches. They need someone that's going to really make sure that they earn the minutes that they're on the pitch. Because they don't play defense. They don't play together. Uh, there's a real problem. I mean, when you're only beating Atalanta in extra time, uh, you know you're in for a bad game week against probably one of the world's best handful of teams in Liverpool. And Liverpool showed why they are just a cut above uh, Man United right now, if not multiple, multiple cuts above. Multiple cuts above for sure. Um, I think it's it's really tough because when you look at this, side for Manchester United. They've invested a ton of money into Maguire, Wani Biz, Varane, who obviously misses this match, but I don't know how they get better. Um, they're going to need a really solid defensive midfielder to come they paid, on. I, I feel they, like paid, uh, they paid $100 million for Sancho, and he doesn't come off the bench. I mean, this team doesn't have a plan. They don't have a strategy. They don't know their best 11. There's a lot of problems right now, and you could see the players were blaming Ole. I mean, Ronaldo's doing this pointing everywhere when Liverpool score a goal, kind of saying there are no tactics. 
it's a sad situation because at some point the players just have to have some pride and you know you saw brighton they played to score that goal didn't matter that the game was out of reach they played hard through the final whistle man united they didn't even play hard through the halftime whistle so just real indictment of the team and kind of the leadership from the players uh you know let alone the manager it's just a sad situation yeah and it doesn't get any easier for them either um, they play tottenham manchester city watford and chelsea and arsenal in their next five matches so there could be some trying times we'll see how much patience the board has with ole i'm glad i have no assets and we were right to move off of those manchester united players while we're on wild card so all right let's let's give the manchester united Red Devils fans, some room to breathe. We're going to stop talking about their team and their drubbing. And look, you just got to move on. You're right. You, you got to wash your hands, move on, take that ass kicking and short you memory. Start fresh because you're a professional football team and you have to um, come together and try and string together some better performances. Anyway, let's take our next break here. And then we're going to come back for a quick lightning round of talking about buy, hold, sell on some of the FPL names that are coming to the tips of our mouths for the next game week. We'll be right back. And we're back. We're going to do a new segment called Buy, Hold, Sell. We're going to look at players that are either already in your FPL squad, on your watch list, or potentially just waiting around for someone else to come pick them up out of the scrap heap. So uh, this is a shout out <laughs> to Nick Hossey, who is on wildcard this week. He's been very patient, more patient than Brian or I have been, and is looking at really the best mid-level players to fill out his squad. So I think with that, we can start with the ultimate question, which is who is the best Chelsea midfielder to target and who are the ones to kind of stay away from? Brian, what's your take here? Yeah, it's tough for so many owners who went Havertz over Mount this game week. I mean, all signs and the FPL herd pointed to Havertz. So I don't blame those those folks, especially Bucks. You have him in your side. He has Newcastle coming up. He could easily get a, a double-digit haul in that one. But long-term, especially if you're on wildcard potentially or looking to bring a player in for at least four to five game weeks, that player's got to be Mason Mount. He's coming off of one of his best performances from a goal scoring perspective. He's on some set pieces. He took the pen with Jorginho off the pitch, and he's just one of the, the mainstays at the club and Tuchel loves him. So I could see him. He's usually going to trickle in the points though. Like he chimes in with an assist here, a clean sheet, maybe six points, but uh, we've never seen this level of explosiveness from him. I don't ever expect him to get another hat trick the rest of the season, um, but agreed, he is agreed. a player that you can, He's a player that you can confidently um, start in your side because he should get the majority of the minutes and he offers a creative element that Chelsea is really lacking. So I would lean towards Mount, um, especially given that Havertz looks so poor in that false nine role. Bucks, do you agree here? Yeah, Mount would be a buy for me. If you have Kai, as I do, he's a hold. Uh, I wouldn't be jumping off that ship just yet. 100%. And also if you have our trying to fit in a player in your midfield and maybe you're priced out of these two guys. I think at this point we could fairly say that Kovacic is the real deal and worth considering he's under 6 million. Yes. He's more of a central kind of defensive midfielder kind of bunny ears over that phrase, but he has, <laughs> uh, he has getting assists on the regular. He, you know, gets some points for clean sheet and he's just, he's kind of the game manager. Um, so I think he might be a, 
one to watch, put on your watch list. I, I wouldn't buy him straight away, but if you're building a wild card team uh, and you can't fit in any of the Chelsea premium defenders, uh, maybe he's the one to go with. Next up. Look, look, he's 5.3 million. Um, six returns is fantastic. Uh, one of my good and personal friends, Josh Moffat, who's in our mini league as well, he's had Kovacic uh, for a few matches here. Uh, I think three game weeks, four game weeks. So a very rogue shout, and he had him started in his side this week. So great call by him to Big points. Know, keep, keep him in his side. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's talk about Phil Foden next. Buy or sell here. Um, Bucks, obviously, coming off an 18-pointer, he's going to be one of the most brought in um, players in the game week for game week 10. And I think the main question here is, are you concerned about his minutes? Because if you aren't, I think he's a must-buy player at his price point. Yeah, he's the top player for me on my watch list. He's an absolute buy. I think even the position he's taking up when he is getting minutes is enough to justify the matches that he's going to be rested for. So I think at his value, he's 8.1 million now. He's probably going to be 8.2 million by the time the transfer deadline rolls around and get another price rise. So worth uh, monitoring that. Uh, He's definitely a player that I want to have in my side. And I think I... I'm hoping to not have to sacrifice Kai for him because I think they can both bring in points. But if I had to, you know, I'd make that swap without really having second thoughts. And, you know, that leads us really nicely into another player who's kind of occupying that eight and a half to seven and a half million price bracket, which is Jota. And I think Jota is interesting because he started in place of Sadio Mane, which is rare, but you know what? Very rare. Yeah. And, and, you know, Firmino is really the one who tends to be preferred in those big kind of top six matchups. And Jota honestly was was better than him. And, and it wasn't even close. He We didn't mention this in the recap, but he got a goal and an assist. And he was really attacking. I mean, he was up there running balls to the wall, just like Mo Salah was uh, at the goal. So uh, I sold him earlier this season, uh, kind of in advance of some of these hard matches. But Liverpool are by far and away the best offense and the best attacking side in the Premier League, maybe in the world right now. And so if Jota's going to get regular minutes, he's a player that I would want to have in my side. But he's a clear number two behind Phil Foden for me. How about you, Brian? Just looking at Jota, you're going to have to ride the roller coaster of frustrations with him. You know, he's missed a few sitters when I owned him earlier in the season. But like you said, he's part of a attacking outfit outfit at Liverpool where they get their goals from like three players, right? They get their goal or four players, right? When you look at city or Chelsea, you don't know where the goals are going to come from. They have so many different uh, players across their midfield, across their strikers that are getting them goals. Whereas you really only see Jota, Sala, Mane and Firmino scoring goals. And given that he's playing center forward for uh, Liverpool with a 7.5 price tag, he's somebody that you should just, if you buy him, you just hold him for a long period of time and ride those cameos where he gets one point and then the next game week he gets double digits. Um, that would be my suggestion if you are going to go with Jota. Yeah, and if you're a manager like Nick who still has their wild card, I'd probably think about going Sala, Mount, Foden, and Jota as kind of my four regular playing midfielders. Oh, wow. Because 
we're in a situation we can jump ahead uh, to another player. Vardy is now out injured. Lukaku is out injured. Ronaldo is in a terrible run of form, as is Harry Kane. So really, that premium striker spot has opened up. You don't need to be filling it right now. And you could be spreading that cash in midfield. And that's really, I mean, that's tasty. I think you're going to get points. And that also gives you coverage because Foden and Jota are more rotation risks. Now that Mount is healthy and, you know, there's other injuries within that squad, I think he's a lock to be playing a lot of minutes for Chelsea. So uh, just jumping ahead, I mentioned Jamie Vardy. Uh, He did come off at halftime. He's in both of our sides. I mean, for me, he's probably a sell, but unfortunately I'm going to have to hold him at least for one more week uh, unless we hear news that he's 100% out. How about you, Brian? I mean, it's very tricky because it was easy for us to have the Lukaku news and go down to you know sell Lukaku and buy Vardy. But there's not really that next player that you want to you know like for like swap or downgrade to. You know, you might go down to uh, mid-priced forward like Jimenez or Callum Wilson. Um, you know, there's some other options, but there's no really you know, player in that price bracket. You don't really want to buy Kane yet until they have their good run come game of 12. So it, it's a tricky one. I, it's funny because with Lukaku's price point, I was like, I don't want to have that much money playing on my bench, but given the circumstances and no other players kind of in that 10 plus million striker bracket, I think I'm probably just going to try and hold Vardy for this week and hope that the injury is not as serious as we think it's a knee injury. We have to get more information. So That one's a hold for me for now. Yeah, and that brings us actually nicely to the next player on our list, which is Rafinha, because I think for me, they're tied at the hip because I have both those players. They're both flagged right now. Me too, me too. And if I'm going to move off Vardy, it means I'm for sure also moving off Rafinha. And I would only do Vardy if I'm for sure moving off Rafinha because in, in part of me wants to just kind of roll it. They can all sit on my bench or start. And, you know, I have coverage with a playing bench. This season is amazing for that reason. You can have three playing bench uh, with the likes of Livermento and Duffy and even Brownhill, who's been, uh, he almost scored a goal in for Burnley. So it's interesting because I think like Brian saying, you don't want to just be making moves and transfers week in week out out of necessity. You want to try and be patient if the situation dictates it, but I think it's looking like Rafinha is going to be a sell for me, which means obviously that informs my comment on Vardy earlier. I think I'll probably end up taking a hit and moving off both these players uh, before game week 10. I want players that are going to play. And I was banking on both these guys taking a spot in my starting 11. How about you? Yeah, it's tough. I think there are other options around, around the price tag for Rafinha that you could go to. Um, and I think, like you said, if you're on wildcard and you're going to have kind of four across the middle, you know, your fifth potential cheap enabler or cheap first bench guy could easily be, you know, Smith Rowe. He's been looking very attacking, just coming off the 13 pointer. He could be your first bench slot and your fifth midfielder. You could have Kovacic there. He's also 5.3 million. So there are definitely ways that you can set up your team to have and cover for some of those guys who are going to be rotated. Rafinha for me, I love the player. We all love watching him. It's just leads are in a bad way right now. And I think there's, we've kind of been patient with him through some ups and downs. And I think at this point, I'm just kind of like, I want to move on. I'll maybe get him later in the season when the rest of leads is healthy. But for me, I would not be buying him or holding him if he's going to miss this Norwich fixture, which is a shame because 
you know, he's yeah. probably going to get his first, you know, he has no double digit hauls this season. And that's just another flag for me. I want a player that, you know, has that kind of form with the team that can score multiple goals. And so far we haven't seen that from Rafinha. So decisions to make. Um, and speaking of decisions, the last player, just again, uh, Broja from Southampton, he seems to have nailed down that attacking slot for Hasenhutl instead of um, Armstrong and Che Adams. So at his price tag, if he's going to be playing a lot of minutes, he's an absolute unit and he looks very, very good for Southampton. Uh, what are your thoughts here, Bucks, on him being your, your possible third striker instead of somebody like Huang and save some of that cash? Yeah, he's a buy. If I had my wild card, he would definitely be that third striker spot. Um, I actually saw on FPL Twitter, it was interesting. A lot of people are considering going Vardy to Broja and taking a hit to upgrade massively elsewhere. So maybe wow. you have you have Rafinha, you really want to be able to get Sun and Kane eventually. This is a nice way to be able to do that. So um, yeah, definitely tinkers abound. Uh, Broja is a buy for me. Uh, we mentioned Smith Rowe. He's a hold if you have him. Uh, I I wouldn't buy him. I, I don't really believe the hype. I don't think he's going to be a regular starter for Arsenal. There's just, they have too many young, talented midfielders for him to be an every game week player. And I think this was a rare occurrence where he really maximized his, his opportunities. I think Odegaard is someone who kind of steals chances and Saka. I mean, I just don't think Arsenal are going to score enough goals for him to be a value add player down the line. So I'm out on Smith Rowe out on Rafinha, buy Jota, buy Foden, buy Mount, hold Havertz, or stay away from Telemans, sell Vardy, buy Brosia. That's that's the way I'm lining up. What, a, what an impressive rundown that was, Bucks. All right. Thank you for joining us for buy, hold, sell. And again, a lot of our moves are going to be dictated on the team news. So we're going to take a quick break and then just talk about our transfer thoughts and captaincy options for Game Week 10. We'll be right back. And we're back. Let's look ahead to game week 10. We just want to shout out that the top three squads currently in the table have favorable matchups on the weekend. Chelsea are at Newcastle, Brighton Hove Albion come to Anfield to play Liverpool and Crystal Palace come to the Etihad to play Man City. So honestly, Brighton are a quality team, but anyone at this point in time against the Liverpool attack are in for a very long evening of footy. So also worth <laughs> shouting out, Norwich they host a battered lead side and I think I'm going to be closely watching that Brentford at Burnley match uh that's only something that an FPL addict would ever say but uh I think that's <laughs> that's a match that has a lot of importance for me and then the kind of marquee fixture which kind of has a lot of shine that's worn off it at this point in the season is Man United coming to the beautiful new White Hart Lane to play Spurs so those are kind of the five most important FPL matches. And with that, we can dive into our plans going into game week 10. Brian, why don't you tell us first and foremost, who's going to be your captain? And then what are you thinking in the transfer market? Yeah. So there's been a lot of talk around the FPL community about perma captaining Mr. Mohamed Salah. I can't argue with that given that he's in the form of his life and just on a ridiculous pace. You know, if you're going to put up 24 points versus Manchester United, you're in contention to be captain every game week. And we saw what he did to Manchester City earlier as well. So we're at a point right now that you just have to slap the armband on him 
And I'm going to do so all the way through the end of December before he goes to the African Cup of Nations. Um, and he's he's just Mr. Reliable and he's so explosive, so fun to watch. There's no better experience than uh, getting those points. You know, everyone's going to be on him, but that's one reason why you don't play acute and go with somebody like Kai as your captain. And then all of a sudden you're down 42 points this game week, right? So, so true. He, he can punish you. Yep. So that's definitely the way to go. Um, but eventually he's going to get some rest. So I think if you are going to join most of the FPL community on the captainship of Sala, make sure that you nail your vice captain because he will get a rest coming up here at some point. And for me, this game week, I'm going to wait for the FA Cup um, kind of games to play out. But my eyes are on Phil Foden versus Crystal Palace. I think that Palace is playing a little bit more open and fluid football that they want to score some goals, but that leaves them very much uh, open on the counterattack. And with Foden's form and just the way that he can either play the false nine or on the left, Sterling's out. Um, Jesus is actually playing winger instead of playing, you know, up top in that false nine forward position. So he might be my, my vice captain this week. What about you, Bucks? Yeah, I'm going solid for the armband as well. I'm going to keep it the same as I did in game week nine and give the vice captain selection to Ben Chilwell. He's been looking nothing, if not consistent, he's looked good at the back and solid, but he's been scoring goals on a record tear uh, similar to Mo Salah. So not quite at the same level, but for transfers, <laughs> three uh, and three. Yeah. Three and three can argue with that uh, for a wing back. That's an amazing output. Um, Phil Foden, you mentioned him. He's absolutely the number one transfer target. I left funds in the bank, so I'd be able to go straight swap of Rafinha up to Phil Foden. Um, Ooh, that's nice. That's, that's nice, that's, man. That's that's what I'm thinking. Probably avoid taking the hit. But if the news comes out about Vardy that it's anything more than just a, kind of you know a, a nagging injury, he's going to be out of my squad quicker than you know this podcast is going to end. So. Uh, I'm going to move <laughs> him off. Probably uh, the similar targets that I had for wildcard will be the ones that I'm looking at. Uh, potentially I'll add in Antonio. I mean, I just, he, he's like a force of nature right now. And even in the tough matchups, you'd rate that he's going to get at least a chance to put the ball in net. And I said it at the beginning of the season and I kind of was just stubborn. So I went off it because I sold him and I, I like to get a deal. And uh, Antonio when healthy is one of the elite, FPL players, and he's one of the elite strikers in the Premier League. So he's healthy right now, and I was silly to move off him. So he's definitely in my thoughts as well. That'll bring a lot of money into my bank account for me to spread around later in the season. But those those are the two kind of uh, straight swaps for a minus four hit that I'd be looking at. Yeah, I mean, you're super well positioned to be, just be able to bring in Foden for no hits. So that's obviously, you know, based on team news, we'll see what happens there. I think, um, and actually just talking to Nick a little bit earlier too, who, you know, he's on wild card and he's not having a great season, but my, my advice would be to anybody out there who's kind of, you know, starting to fall off a little bit from the top four, top 10 in your mini league, get players in that you really like to watch or that you, um, are fans of the club. Like one of the managers in our, um, our super league. Uh, Nate Johnson, he has Emmy Martinez. He's a Villa fan. He has Emmy Martinez in goal, comes up with 10 huge points. I don't know if anybody else has Martinez. So just um, a, a word of uh, advice to kind of find enjoyment in the FPL game. 
bringing those players into your team that you like. For me, I'm thinking about taking a hit to bring in Ben Chilwell, uh, especially if Alonzo plays in the FA Cup. I really you know, want to have more Chelsea players on my side. So he's somebody that I'm considering and based on his form, even if he doesn't play in one out of four matches, he's still great value and has that attacking upside. And then for me, again, Rafinha is somebody that I'm really nervous about and I can have my funds that I used um, that are still in the bank from downgrading Lukaku to Vardy. I can hopefully just grab either Jota or Mason Mount. And as a Chelsea Blues supporter, I'll probably grab Mason Mount as a little differential nice, to nice. have both. Both, Yeah, I'm excited. I feel like it'll be a good differential pick to have uh, both him and Foden in my side where they're both under 20% owned. So that's my thoughts. Um, again, there's a lot more football to unfold midweek. So pay attention to those uh, those team results and then that'll help influence you in your transfer thoughts. So don't make an early transfer is what I'm really trying to tell the uh, the listeners. Yeah, for sure. And let's hope that all the FPL relevant players and all players in general stay healthy in the midweek fixtures. There's FA Cup this week for I would say two thirds of the table right now, including yep. the top sides. So, you know, let's hope for green arrows and uh, positive updates from the coaches in the Friday uh, press conferences and green arrows all around. Brian, good luck this game week, hoping uh, my team turns it around. And, you know, there are some more contributors uh, in game week 10 than there were in game week nine. If I put up 91 points though, uh, in game week 10, I definitely won't be upset about it. So let's hope for big <laughs> yeah, scores, exactly right. big scores, good results and green arrows for all of our listeners. And, uh, thank you for tuning in. Follow us at FPL blues podcast on social media. And yeah, we look forward to hearing from you. We love the engagement. So the more questions, the merrier, please get involved, hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on Instagram. Uh, We want this to be fan centric. So uh, we appreciate those of you who are subscribing. Give us a like where and when you can. And we'll be back next game week to let you know how we did and what we're thinking going to game week 11. The marathon continues. Thanks, Bucks. We'll see you next week. Good luck. Good luck.